Hello, what hello. is up, everybody? Hope everyone's having a good morning. This is Jack Bushman with my buddy and partner, Eric Moneybags Hurt. Moneybags, how you doing this morning? Uh, a little slow start, but we're getting there. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, joining me on the road on your way to work. Thank you no for problem. joining me, Bags. No problem. So today is it's early, uh, November 27th, early in the morning here, and the last Blackhawks game, it was Tuesday night against the Vegas Golden Knights. Unfortunately, Bags, we had to witness a beatdown of the Chicago rough. Blackhawks rough, on rough. their home ice. Yeah, it was a rough game. Uh, as I stated in the last podcast, I was hopeful the Hawks would be able to ride that momentum from last Saturday night's comeback win against the Florida Panthers into this big home game against Vegas with some tough teams coming up. But really, the exact opposite of that happened. In bags, for the fourth straight game, we watched the Hawks get down at least two to nothing in the third in the first period, and it was the third time in those four games the Hawks found themselves down three nothing at some point during the game. Yes, very hard to come back from that, and um, it's it sucks that we keep getting ourselves in that trouble. Yeah, right um, when uh, right when it looked like. The first period was the one strong point we had going for this team. The last five games right. have uh, all gotten off to rough starts. You know, the first period, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury played made some outstanding. Big saves. And, I mean, like you said, we just shoot ourselves in the foot when we get behind and there's no way to get back from that. And, uh, yeah, Duncan Keith on that first goal was kind of caught in no man's land, started 2-1-1, one, one, and then Crawford – gave the puck away and it was just everything that went wrong went wrong went yeah. wrong last night yeah it, it was a rough one as you said with Duncan Keith making that poor dis- defensive play to be out of position that came just two minutes into the first period to give Vegas that late developing two-on-one and then we saw uh, Tomas Nosek make a beautiful pass that got by uh, Gustav Forsling and Daniel Carr made no the mistake sniper. about it yeah and the sniper <laughs> Daniel Carr <laughs> getting his first of the year so just two minutes into the game we saw the Hawks get caught, caught out of position. Uh, Duncan Keith, he, he had himself another poor game on Tuesday night, and honestly, I've been saying that way too often lately. Duncan Keith, he played just 20 minutes in 10 seconds of ice time, which, you know, it's still 20 minutes, but for Duncan Keith, that's significantly low for him. And he had, yeah. just, one, he had just one shot on goal and was a minus three, his second time in nine games that he has been a minus three in a game. So, yeah, he's just he's just not looking like his usual self, and I, I mean, know the years are catching up to him. The mileage on his body, but I mean, he's making mental mistakes too. Like, I mean, obviously it was a lucky bounce off his foot, but just not being in the right areas, not making the right plays. It's it's starting to show, and it's it just seems it's like not it's, good for us. I just seem like it's it's happening. You know, he's having poor stretches here lately. I think mm-hmm. Keith, he's now a minus one on the season. He has zero goals. In 10 games under Jeremy Colleton, Duncan Keith is a minus four. So he really yeah. has not looked the same at all. Not at even strength, not on the penalty kill where he's been too soft on the puck, not playing the aggressive stick-checking game he once did so well. And I get mm-hmm. that he's 33 and he's played a lot of hockey, but he's looked nothing like a number one defenseman this season. Not offensively, right. not defensively, not in any aspect of the game really. He, he has a couple of decent nights, and then he has a poor night where he, he's a minus three like Tuesday night. So it's hard to get on Duncan Keith for playing so poorly because it's really the first time it's ever happened to him. But but the Hawks, they need more out of him right now. They need Mm -hmm. him to be a better leader on the ice through these struggles. And right now, he's just not being the number one defenseman the Hawks need to rely on right now. We just need that that steady play from Keith. And we know he's got it in him. I mean, take a look at his career. I mean, I know there's still a good few years left in him. He's just... I know. Take a break. And, He's only thirty-three, which I mean, he could know, be Seabs. He could be thirty-five. Right, right. 
um, yeah, it's just the mental errors that 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 kill us. They're really killing ourselves in the right foot. Now. Just wrong positioning, the wrong little pass, but. Um, Hopefully he'll tighten it up here and turn the season around. And I don't mean to just bring it on Duncan Keith because, really, we haven't seen consistent play from any defenseman this year. But right. when it's Duncan Keith, it's obviously more significant because you expect so much out of him. Right, right. You know you know what he brings to the table. So it was, uh, it was unfortunate to see him just two minutes into the game be out of position in the neutral zone and get burned by, you know, third and fourth liners, Thomas Nosek right. and Daniel yeah. Carr. That can't really happen. Uh, as we said, the second goal of the night was – that tuck goal, which was just kind of that bad turnover by Crawford. So kind of one to forget there. Uh, but the goal that really stung to me in this game was that third goal where the Hawks, right before the third goal, they had that beautiful chance. You go back and look at the film, you see Gustav Forsling was stopped by the glove of Marc-Andre Fleury. It was a great point, Blake, opportunity. But at this point in the hockey game, the Hawks were surging offensively and were just one goal away from being you know, right back in it. And mm-hmm. they had that good chance at Gustav Forsling. And, yeah, it didn't go in. But what the Hawks really could not afford to do is exactly what happened 15 seconds later. They didn't get back on defense after the great opportunity. And, and you look at the play, all five Hawks are back. But they failed yeah. all to play the man. Not a single one plays the body. Not Taze, not Kane. They're caught puck watching. They go right for the puck. Neither of them take a look behind them to see where the trailer's coming from. And they leave, you know, the highest-priced real estate wide open. And right. even, even Brandon Saad had a chance to get there, but he pulled up and just reached the stick out. He didn't want any. Mm-hmm. He didn't want anything to do with the physical contact, and that is concerning. And Patrick Kane as well was just gliding his way. He has been the, his back check yeah. has been awful the last He's, week or so. He looks like he doesn't care at all. Yeah, I mean, he didn't take a man. He didn't take uh, he took nobody. An area. He's just he just gliding down the zone. It was a two on five. Him. Yeah, and, and Cody Eakin goes right down Main Street. Ends up with a little mini nice breakaway. Mitts. And it's concerning yeah, it's to see nice guys piece. like Taze and Saad, who, you know, they're supposed to be good back checkers. They don't, it seemed like they didn't want anything to do with the back check. Right. No and, one wants to check in the defensive zone. I don't get it right mm-hmm. now. Right. And, I mean, especially the forwards. I mean, we can't all pin it on the defense. No, you can't. Because you got to get no help support. from the forwards. There's no and, support. Exactly. There's no support. And then they find their little soft areas and no one's there to cover. And that's where we're getting killed. Yeah. And at some points, <laughs> it almost looks like there's really no effort uh, in the zone at all defensively. You even heard when that game yesterday, it was 7-2, 8-2 late in the third. You could hear Eddie Olchek and Yeah. This could easily be 10. Because the Hawks, yeah. they were getting surged on right now. The, Haw- yeah. the Golden Knights were peppering the Hawks up six goals. They yeah. the, Listen to this. The Hawks got outshot 34-13 to after the first period. And let me remind you. They were down 3 nothing after the first period. It's not like the Hawks put up three goals in the first and Vegas surged on them the rest of the game. No, right. the Hawks went down 3 nothing and got outshot 34-13 to in the last two periods. You would think they'd come out with some energy and take chances to create opportunities, but no, the Hawks were good. They pushed back with little might all night, and it was pretty sad to watch. Third period right. was real sad. I mean, it was, yeah, it's just one of those games where everything that could go wrong went wrong. Seriously. I mean, there was a few deflections that – one off on defenseman or uh, Crawford just had no chance on. And then obviously Crawford giving up that one. And I mean, it's just, everything just collapsed and they just seemed to just not care. And it shows it rough. It really, but it I really mean, there's showed. not much you could do. I mean, there, you're going to have games like that where no bounce goes your way. And it was just tough to see that kind of game when, you know, last podcast, we really talked about how hard the schedule coming up is going to be, you know, right. we talked about how, the game Tuesday night against Vegas, it was a big one. Get two points after stealing two points Saturday night. 
against the Panthers and kind of get yourself rolling in the right direction. Maybe try to steal one of these two games in Winnipeg and Nashville. Because, you know, if you lose these next three games coming up to Winnipeg, Nashville, and Calgary, the Hawks are really, really in a hole there. Yeah. So I would have liked them to come out of that home game against Vegas with some momentum. And obviously that did not go as planned. <laughs> I mean, so, we got to start a winning streak here soon. I it's got to come now. If we're going to win one, lose two, <laughs> you know. We can't we can't be can't be playing this this way all winter long. It's, right. it's going to get ugly really early. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like the second half of the season last year, but in the first half, the whole season yeah, long. The whole yeah, exactly. It, that was a tough stretch to watch in February and March last year. Let me tell you, yeah, Jeff Glass and that, and oh, Forsberg and that. It there was some rough, there was no rough hope. games. Yeah, there was absolutely no hope. No hope. But um. Speaking of hope, one of the bright moments on the night, yeah. some hope of the future, uh, was Gustav Forsling. Just 30 seconds into the second period, he scored his first goal of the season. Nice deflection off William Carlson. Thank you for that one, William. Yep. Uh, but Forsling continues to be impressive. He now has one goal and four assists in his first seven games, up with the Blackhawks since returning uh, from that wrist surgery he had this offseason. And Forsling, he was one of the more involved Blackhawks on the night, and even though he didn't have the best night defensively. No one really did. So it was good to see him continuing to produce offensively from a defensive unit that really has not given this offense a lot to work with this season. Right. So just five minutes, uh, you know, or just 30 seconds, I mean, into the period. Good to see Forsling be aggressive, put the puck on that, and good things happen when you put the puck on the net. Yeah, he's, he's looking good. He's looking like he's got some real confidence this year with the puck and he's making the right plays. Hopefully he's and, here to stay. Uh, Exactly. That's the goal. He continues that because uh, we could use a, a defenseman like him and his he can type, play his both caliber. Sides. Right. That's great. Move the puck, speedy offensive threat. I mean, that was a nice, nice rec- recognition to jump into play, and I mean, almost turn the game around. Kind yeah. of gave yeah, us I know. momentum. He, he, but he gave us some momentum. He had a couple good chances. He it would have been two one right there yes. when he jumped up in the play. But when he had that straight off the I know that was a killer play. That was really uh, a decisive play in the outcome. Gustav Forsling, really the only uh Blackhawks free agent after this year that as of right now you say you have to bring this guy back. Absolutely. Yeah Forsling Absolutely. Forsling needs to be there. I think he's gonna be part of the turnaround defensively that we're gonna see in Chicago in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Tons of defensive prospects for the Blackhawks. Obviously, you know, we got Yoki Haru, Forsling. Boquist is going to be great. Ian Mitchell, hopefully, will be ready next year with uh, Nicholas Bodan. So there's, Chad Chris. Yeah, Chad yeah, Chris. There's, there's a lot of guys that you're hopeful for. And the nice part about having a surplus of defensive prospects is, you know, sometimes with defensive prospects, you don't see them pan out the way you always want them to. Guys like Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Billy Parker, right. you know. Sometimes mm-hmm. things just don't pan out the way you want, so it's good to have multiple defensive prospects like we do. we got like seven or eight of them, honestly, right now. Right. So hopefully they'll create some good competition. But, yes, mm-hmm. Gustav Forsling, uh, he's looked very solid. He's looked fantastic. Return. Yeah, he's looked solid. Five points in seven games. That's awesome to yeah. see because we really haven't gotten much from the defensemen. Steves and Gustafson have really been the only two defensemen to chip in this season. Right. But, yeah, moving on to uh, – so just unfortunately five minutes after 
Gustav Forsling was able to get the Blackhawks back into the game, and he banked one off William Carlson. William Carlson got his revenge, struck on the power play to give Vegas their three-goal lead right back, and this moves me on to my next topic that I want to talk about. The penalty kill continues to burn the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh They were two for three on the night, but the power play goal that they allowed was a real kick in the pants, gave the Vegas Golden Knights their three-goal lead right back. So it's safe to say with the Hawks, a penalty kill uh, Tuesday night had dropped from 27th to 28th, and currently the Hawks have the 31st best power play in the uh, league. So it's safe to say we probably have the worst special teams in the oh, entire yeah. league. Us and the Kings. <laughs> crazy, <Yeah. laughs> crazy to see how fast the league changes from 2010 to 2015. The Hawks and the Kings, of course, won five of the six Stanley Cups, and now they are the two laughing stocks of the Western Conference. So it's crazy right. to see how the Stanley or how the uh, salary cap era really can change a team in just a couple of seasons. Now we see how it feels. Yeah, yeah right. Buffalo at the top of the league. I was literally just thinking, is this what is this what Montreal feels all the time? Like, right. That must. Yeah, this it's it. no fun. <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is it. But another uh, little bit of light in the tunnel from the Tuesday night game was Dylan Strome. He played on the mm-hmm. second line with DeBrinket. Dilly Dilly. Yes, Dilly Dilly played on that second line with Alex DeBrinket and Patrick Kane all night long. And that line, it had a lot of success. Strom had two or three A-plus opportunities before he eventually scored his first goal as a Blackhawk in his first game. I thought Strom was aggressive all night long. He went to the net with a purpose, wound up with three shots on goal in a two-point night. And while it wasn't uh, in the result the Hawks wanted overall, Dylan Strom looked like a solid fit on that second line with Patrick Kane. Yeah, I was really impressed with his game. He looked uh, super comfortable out there. I mean, he could have easily had a hat trick that game. Yeah, he had no, he so had many plenty chances. of opportunities. He had a breakaway where he missed the net, and then he kind of had a two-on-one where he took it behind the net, but nothing really came out yeah, of it. Yeah, he held but, the puck a little bit too long there. Um, there the uh, pass from Debrinkat kind of in his feet. Yeah, that was a tough it. one. Yeah, tough he one. Couldn't get any but, lift on that shot. But I like his game, exactly. He's, he, he seems to be fitting in very nice with that line. They had some really good puck possession time, and – their cycling was good. They seemed to knew where each other were. And, I mean, for their first game together, you can't ask for much more. And I'm excited to see where that where that goes. Yeah, um, we know the success a center who wants to go to the net and score can have with Patrick Kane. Just a few right. years ago, we saw Panarin and Nisimov and Kane be arguably the league's deadliest line. And Nisimov would drive the net and let the wingers, you know, play with the puck on a string. And I think Dylan Strome can kind of have that same effect on the Blackhawks uh, to bring it in – Kane, they have enough skill to make plays happen. And if Strom goes to the net with a purpose, he's going to be able to find some loose pucks. And he does provide – he provides more skill than Anisimov does. And yeah. uh, so it's exciting to see, you know, just in one game after one practice, Dylan Strom right. already looking like he could be a fit for the Blackhawks. Uh, unfortunately, after the Strom goal, though, all things did blow up. And we didn't really get to see too much from uh, Perlini and uh, – you know, yeah. we saw some opportunities from Strom, but we d- we didn't really weren't able to get a good judgment of them overall because of how poorly the Blackhawks defense played. So that was kind of the uh, overwhelming theme of the night was just the poor defense kind of took away from Dylan Strom and Brendan Perlini's debuts. Right. I think it said too that uh, Perlini was practicing with yes. uh, Taze and Saad in practice. As we said on the last podcast, yeah. you could slot him up and down this lineup. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the fourth line with Krugs. Not surprised to see him on the top line with uh, Sodder and Taze. We need, uh, I think, what Perlini can really add to that top line is it's been a while since we've seen someone with 
skill and size and speed yeah. jump on that top line. We know Taze and Saad, they're two heavier guys. They kind of play a tough game on the puck, uh, but they still do bring skill to the table. But right. you see Alex Dabrinkit up on that top line. You see more of speed than you speed in a shot than you do, obviously, of size. He's not very big. But I think right. Perlini on that top line, he can add some speed because he's obviously going to be the speedier guy on that top line. But he also has size that comes with the speed. And I think that's crucial for him uh-huh. to play tough on the puck. I think there were times where Dabrinkit's size would come into play and he would end up being too soft on the puck, not, not because of his effort, but just because, you know, he's not the type of guy that is going to win you a ton of board battles because of his size. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm interested for it. Um, I think Perlini has got a nice two-way game. I mean, obviously we didn't see too much of him, but he's, he's pretty solid defensively. And, I mean, that top line, I mean, even if it doesn't produce, hopefully it can, can be solid in our own end. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to throw a little speed up there and see what happens off the rush. Yeah, we, we didn't get to see all that much of Perlini. He played just 12 and a half minutes. But we did see the speed uh, in a couple of yeah. instances. We saw one shot on goal from him on the night. So it's hard to put a finger on how the game really went for Perlini because, as I said, it just went so bad for the Hawks as a whole. And Perlini was right. a minus two, but he really didn't make any poor defensive plays that stood right. out to the eye. But, yeah, seeing him on the top line with practice, he's one of those guys that can fit anywhere. So I think uh-huh. uh, he would be a good fit for that line, provides a solid scoring touch. Taze and Saad, two bigger guys uh, who are known for the toughness they play on the puck. It's nice that the Hawks can add that, uh, give that top line some speed without sacrificing size. Exactly, exactly. Cat, Cat um, kind of seems like a more natural fit playing on that skill line with Stroman Kane. So, over, right. yeah, so that, that looks like it will be a good fit long term. We'll have to obviously see tonight against Winnipeg. Looking, at, <laughs> looking ahead at Winnipeg here, they're a little bit tougher than Vegas money bags. Yes, Winnipeg, they, are. they currently have the second best power play in the league at 29.6%. We know what uh, Patrick Line can do. The predator that he is, he can strike from any point at any time, brings some uh, lethalness to that power play. Also, the Jets play a good penalty kill. They're ninth in the league with uh, an 81.8% penalty kill. So. They are good on special teams, and we are not. <laughs> yes, it'll be a showdown of the of the special teams. Uh, hopefully, hopefully someone can get in front of Line A and put some heart and soul. Hawk special that. teams needs to come to play because if the if the special teams gets outplayed tonight on the road, it's going to be hard. For, it's going to be over quick. Yeah, it, it could be another first period like it was against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. It, it's not. It's not going to be an easy easy game for the Blackhawks. Uh, as I said, this tough game on the road against Winnipeg. Then they got Nashville two nights later. And then just after that Nashville game Saturday night, the Hawks will fly home right after the game, and they will take on a really good Calgary Flames team coming into, play, coming into town to play on Sunday. So next three for the Hawks, while the Hawks are 9-11-5 and, and heading in the wrong direction. It may be early on in the season, but right here, right now, really seems like it's kind of a make or a break point uh, already in the season for Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's starting to be like every team we're playing is going to be a tough team. I, you know, it's just... Yeah, it's, now every game matters. We don't, we don't have a given game. There's no game we could look at and be like, we're going to... We're, we should win and we will win because you never know. Yeah, every this team is tough. streaky. And yeah, but uh, another thing I wanted to add was how good that Anisimov, Fortan, and who else was on that line? No, you mean uh, Anisimov, Camp, and Cahoon? 
Yes, that's what I meant. Yes, that line has looked great. That line was good. Artie finally bringing some relevance to the table. Good to see yeah, you, Artie. Right. Where you been? Good, seriously. Yeah. But, I mean, they had some really good chances, and for your third line getting that many chances, that's promising. That's ideal. Yeah, and even looking back at that uh, that Florida game Saturday night, David Camp had that beautiful that beautiful stuff goal. Um, yeah. That was a nice one. So, it, it's good to see that uh, him, Artie, and Cahoon are able to, uh, you know, get some chemistry going between those couple – or between that third line. Uh, Anisimov finally becoming relevant again. Uh, unfortunately, it's at the price of 4.5 mil on the third line. But, right. you know, at least bring something to the table. Anisimov, we haven't really seen much of him all year. Last year, he was able to sneak out 20 goals just because he potted 11, a team high on the power play. But this year, we haven't really seen much from Anisimov. So definitely good to see him become involved once again. Mm-hmm. We need the depth. Yeah, depth absolutely. Depth scoring, Especially as we said, that's. Why we brought in Strom and Perlini, but obviously it was not <clears throat> the debut Strom and Perlini, or really anyone was hoping for, as <coughs> oh excuse me, as Blackhawks took a beating in their own arena, allowing eight goals in just sixty minutes. If you give that kind of effort defensively against Winnipeg, it is going to be a really long night. Just ask the St. Louis Blues, who allowed five goals to Patrick Laine last Saturday night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was an ugly one. So the Hawks, they need to figure it out quick, or else this two-game road trip could go really rough. And remember, the Hawks have lost eight of their past nine road games, and the one they won was Saturday night, where Debrinket needed a score with .8 seconds left to send it to overtime. So the Hawks, they've not been playing their best hockey lately, no matter where the game is. So I really hope we don't come out against Winnipeg and get smoked in the first period for the fifth straight game. The Hawks have to come out with energy, and scoring that first goal on the road would be gigantic for the momentum of this team. The Hawks haven't scored the first goal since the 18th, so a little more than a week and a half ago. I mean, that's what they need. If they're going to get in this game and stay in the game, they need the first goal. I think that's one of the really momentum. They need that. Oh, it just just – deflates them whenever they give up that first goal, and you could see it too. The first periods have been a disaster. Yeah. So I think getting the lead on the road would be a huge step in the right direction for the Hawks' current road problems. Hopefully tonight will go a lot better than last night did. Unfortunately, we're still not sure about Henry Yokihari. He's still questionable. Hopefully he'll be able to be back in the lineup. We do not want to see Dave uh, Manning and Ruta in the lineup at the same time (laughs) once again. But if they are and the Hawks don't come to play, it could be uglier than Tuesday night, sadly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's <laughs> so hope that's not the case. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully uh, the Blackhawks turn it around and uh, fix their road struggles and play the right way in a tough game tonight against Winnipeg. So that's about all we got for this episode of Talking Hockey. Moneybags, thank you for joining me so early in the morning, buddy. I hope you Absolutely. have a good shift at work. Thank you to Will everyone do. who listened. I greatly appreciate it from Jack Bushman and Money Bags Hurt. Till next follow time. Twitter. Absolutely. On Twitter, follow at Talk Hockey, the Talking Hockey blog and podcast. I'll be live tweeting every Chicago Blackhawks game, giving a little bit of my uh, personal insights to what's going on in every game. Hopefully, the Hawks are able to play well tonight and uh, this weekend in Nashville. I don't want to hear that stupid Nashville goal song too many times this weekend. <laughs> So th- you suck. <laughs> oh, I hate that. So thank you everybody for listening. Until next time, peace out. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.